0: And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your Radio
1: MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. This is an upset Dr. Bill, so it's going to be a hot show today. By the way, we are at am860theanswer.com. That is am860theanswer.com, so you can reach me live on the web from anywhere in the world. Sunday mornings. 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and also we're an iHeart station. And you also can reach us at a.m. 860 on your radio dial. So we're very available, and this is talk radio. So if you want to join the show, if you have something to say, give me a shout at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. Well, I uh have been involved in debates in the lunchroom and they've gotten a little loud over second amendment rights and gun control after this shooting over in Broward County a couple of weeks ago. upsetting, very upsetting and not only because people were hurt and injured and lives were lost, but also because it rips open that debate once again, that wound is opened up between the the right and the left between pro Second Amendment and anti-Second Amendment people. And uh, some of the the rhetoric I hear in the lunchroom is pretty classic. And, of course, it comes from the liberal side of the family, the Jewish and the Hindu side of the family. And, of course, they're raised pacifists, a lot of these folks. And one of the guys said, well, you know, if the world was all Hindu, we wouldn't need guns. And I, (laughs) I couldn't agree more. But you know what? The world is not all Hindus. We're not all peace and love. And let's remember that the Hindus had their own internal wars for millennia. There were multiple states when the English arrived because they had been warring with each other for time in memoria. So there are some skewed views and certainly some views that are contrary to what I've come to believe as an integral part of the american experience and the american way of life and i really shouldn't let myself get too upset because the courts have been more and more literal with the second amendment instead of more and more conservative the uh, at least the supreme court and so the second amendment's not going away but here's the thing here is the thing it's not the gun it's not the kid i mean i can't hold uh, a a a Mentally ill, teenager, responsible. I mean, he's, he's just an instrument of, of his emotions, as we all are as teenagers. Granted, 99.999% of us don't act on those impulses when we're angry at somebody or when we've lost our girlfriend or our boyfriend and we wish they were dead. And we can even say that on the Internet, but that's not a crime. However, this kid was threatening people on the Internet. Not only was he threatening, he was threatening murder. He was threatening to shoot up the school. And you say, well, how can you stop that? Well, you know what? It's a crime. It is a crime under state and federal law. And I I just, you know, I can't believe that this Sheriff Israel would be so arrogant and have the hubris to say on national TV that he is a good leader and doing a good job. Give me a break. We've got a statute in Florida. Under chapter 836, it's 836.1, written threats to kill or do bodily injury, punishment, any person who writes or composes and also sends or proceeds the sending of any letter, inscribed communication or electronic communication, the internet, whether such letter or communication be signed or anonymous to any person containing a threat to kill or to do bodily injury to the person, to whom whom such letter or communication is sent, who it's sent to, or a threat to kill or do bodily injury to any member of the family of a person by way of a letter or communication, they commit a felony of the second degree. And this is punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Fifteen. A term of imprisonment not exceeding 15 years, but up to 15 years. And guess what? It's not reviewable if it's under 15 years under our state law. There's also a fine attached with this, and the fine can be up to ten thousand dollars. It's fifteen thousand if it's a life felony, but for a second, first or second degree felony, and this was a second degree felony, sending threatening uh, uh, email and letters and perpetrating all of these acts that were criminal, and I don't mean they were you know, a traffic ticket. I mean, these were serious criminal acts. These were felonies that this kid was doing. And the Broward County Sheriff's Department, from what we can tell, had been out there multiple times and had said repeatedly, at least this is Israel Sheriff Israel's uh, stand, that there were no actionable events. There was no crime committed. Dude... Are you not reading the state statutes? I mean, you've got yourself in one of the largest departments, law enforcement departments in the state, with one of the largest budgets, almost a billion dollars from what I'm told, maybe a half a billion. Anyway, it's a huge number by my my standards for a state-level, county-level department. And you don't even know what the statutes are? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute here. This is real simple. You're in one of the most affluent left-wing counties in the country. You've got Elsie Hastings and Ted Deutsch as representatives from that area. Elsie is black, a Democrat. Of course, he's going to be liberal. And Ted Deutsch is from the Jewish side of the family. And of course, he's going to be a liberal. They're both Democrats. Here you are in this this basket, this uh, these warm arms of all these wealthy people, all these liberal people, all these people who don't want to think it can happen to them, but they want to legislate for you and me, and now it's happened to them, and now they want to legislate for themselves, but they don't want to take a look at the real problem, which is you're not enforcing the laws. It's your job as sheriffs and deputies and police and FBI and state troopers to enforce the laws and not just give out traffic tickets. Not to stop doctors on their way home for nothing and give them a ticket. It's your job to go out there and arrest this kid after you've warned him a couple of times and take him in. You say, well, I don't want to put an 18- or 17-year-old in jail for 15 years because they threatened to do something in, in a moment of passion. Well, you don't have to. You can let the judge decide that. You can let the jury decide that. He can be given probation and have his guns taken away. He can be given civic duties and services, civic service. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have been done short of 17 kids being shot and another 15 or 20 being wounded. 17 killed. So it's around 30 people that were direct victims of this kid's bullets because the Broward County Sheriff's Department didn't uphold the law. It didn't uphold the law. We don't need more laws. We got tons of laws on the books. Enforce the laws. Enforce the laws. Now here's the next thing that I have a problem with. We now hear that the Command captain said to form a perimeter, but don't go in after the first guy, the, this, the school-based sheriff didn't go in and do anything. And by the way he quit, (laughs) you think that says something Well, do you now? Well, here you go. You got four more armed guys and gals outside and they don't go in. Well, we were just following orders. You know, that is not the way we work as Americans. I lived next door to several World War II veterans who had seen combat over the years. They're all dead now, of course. And I said, "What was what was the problem with the German army at D-Day? Why didn't they bring in the tanks and everything? Why didn't they? I mean, they had it. They had a couple of tank columns there." They could have repelled the attack from the uh, from the allies from the United States and Canada and Great Britain and France and Poland and all the other soldiers that were involved in the D-Day landing. Why didn't they do it? Because they only act on orders. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? If they see a fight coming, they don't do anything until they're told to do something. We don't work that way. And my friends and neighbors who were World War II veterans said the same thing. You know, if, if the captain was out of pocket or the general was still in bed and didn't think it was a big deal, we took over. We did what we had to do. And this is another big argument of mine against a monolithic leftist government is because they want to dictate everything to us. So here we have four sheriffs who are sitting outside, and they hear gunshots. They hear gunshots, and they don't go in. They don't do anything. Why not? Why aren't they doing anything? What is the problem here? Are they too well-trained? I don't think so. I don't think they're trained enough. You have to be able to take initiative individually independently that's a hallmark of our society is to say wait a minute i know that i'm supposed to do this in this situation i'm supposed to take my tank and run it through that hedgerow but i can't get through it it's too thick well why don't we just put a big rake on the front of our tank and we'll just push that stuff right out of the way guess what it didn't take the command the brass to tell the soldiers in the field to do that the tank commanders and the tank crews They did it overnight. They built a big fork, a big rake, and they pulled out those hedgerow bushes and broke through in their tanks, in their little Shermans. That's what we do. That's what we are. That's how we function as a society. We take initiative. All right, so here we got this Broward County sheriff who's now going on TV and saying, I'm a great leader. I didn't do anything wrong, and the... Watch Captain, saying, I was just following protocol, and the four cops outside saying, we were just following her commands. Meanwhile, there's a kid inside the school shooting everybody up. Here's the good thing. Here's what I really like about this whole situation. This is going to come back and destroy Broward County. You know why? Guess where a lot of high-powered trial lawyers live. They live in Broward County. Now, think about this. You've got 17 deaths. You've got maybe another 15 injuries. I don't know, 30 total casualties. You've got 2,000 kids in this school. 2,000. You've got family and friends and community associates and relatives who are affected by this shooting. You may end up with 20,000 people that have an actionable cause. Have an actionable cause to go after Broward County in a lawsuit and they should they should get a billion dollars out of this lawsuit 20,000 people at an average of 50,000 plus legal fees they should be able to break Broward County Broward County's budget is a little under 4 billion annually one of the bigger counties in Florida, it has an international airport, uh, Fort Lauderdale, and it has one of the largest police forces in the state of any county, it's got a big population, I think Hollywood's there, and uh, Boca Raton, I believe is in Broward County, I can't remember all the cities up and down the coast there, but it's a densely populated area with a lot of money, guess what? You know what they're paying or what they're offered? I don't know what they're paying now for sure, but I think this bond has already been floated through. It is a Florida School Board Certificate Participation Series A, and it's a coupon that's paying a bond that's paying 5.25% per year with a maturity date of 2033. Is it insured? No. Is it AAA rated? No. No, it's not. So... If you've got this bond in your portfolio or you bought some of these bonds because you're a local resident and you think it was a patriotic and a, and a good thing to do to support the school system there, you better hang on to that thought, that is, but not the bond. You better hang on to the thought. It was a good thought. The bond, now listen, if if they get dinged, if Broward County gets dinged for a billion dollars. Not only is this bond going to be uninsurable, but all of their municipal bonds for the next 30 years will be uninsurable. And their ratings by Moody will go down to the C range. This county can be crippled. It can be paralyzed by a massive lawsuit like this. And there should be a lawsuit. And there are plenty of trial attorneys out there who would love to take this on. And I guess there's some that even would do it without thinking that they're going to get rich on it. So they plan to issue more bonds. Let's put a stop to it. They plan to support their sheriff. Let's let them know that we disagree. Not only by talking about it on radio and television, but by some action locally about people who were affected by this, who can take serious Immediate real action by way of a class action lawsuit. You got to do that, guys. You got to do that. So here's Broward County. Their fiscal operating budget for 2018 is $2,888,000,000, almost $3 billion. They've also got a capital budget and a debt service. So for fiscal year, they're at $4,834,000 for their budget for this this year, 2018. And now they're looking at 17 dead, 14 wounded, 2,000 kids at the school traumatized. Everybody they know who was affected by it quickly comes up to 20,000. People who can claim physical and emotional damages. There are damages for future earnings that these kids would or could have have earned, and this was a, a an upper crust school. This was a, a very bright group of kids, as we can tell from listening to them on the radio and TV, as they've come on to express their concerns about how this was handled and how the law should change to protect them in the future. This is the state level now. <laughs> this is just the state level. I'm not even getting to the federal level yet. The problem with the federal law is that you can't really sue the federal government. You can't sue the FBI. Even though it looks like the FBI had a couple of hits, and you say, well, you know, they didn't really see it. Well, how do we know they had a couple of hits if they didn't really see it? I mean, somebody saw it. Somebody recorded it, logged it in, documented it. It went across somebody's desk at the FBI. Even if it was just a secretary's desk, it went across somebody's desk. And so somebody has to be accountable at that level as well. Now, we can't sue the federal government because of the common law doctrine known as sovereign immunity, and this was part of the deal that the Crown made with Parliament way back when to say that you can't sue the Crown, and Parliament said, well, you know, that probably makes sense because the Crown's got the purse strings, even though we're the ones who control the purse strings. I shouldn't say the Crown has the purse strings. The Crown has the purse, and Parliament has the purse strings, so the president is similar. He orders the checks to be written for the expenditures of the federal government, but it's the Congress who approves those expenditures. So it's a it's a a hand in hand thing. Well, we're not quite like constitutional monarchies that have evolved into democracies. We're homespun, home bred democracy that came up from the roots, and our executive and legislative branches are very separate. So still we have to have something to protect those in power. Now you say, well, maybe we should be able to sue our federal government. And that's another talk and another time. I think that that would be too cumbersome and would be too much for a government to function under if they were constantly defending against lawsuits. But, and here's the big but, the individual employee of the federal government who is working for and acting on behalf of the government is not immune from lawsuits if they were negligent in their duty, if they were remiss. Now, if they meant to do it intentionally as a crime, that they were apt to get somebody, and that's what we're seeing happen with these, uh, these Russian investigation FISA warrants, FISA warrants, It's going to be a criminal act and that's going to end up with somebody in jail or on probation. But if you're let's say you're an FBI agent and you're pursuing a PERP and you ram into somebody, guy taking his kids to school, and there's injuries and the cars damaged and all that. The person who has been hit by the FBI agent who is Acting while on the job can't do anything about it unless he can show that the agent was negligent in his duties. But now what if the same agent is driving his kids to school and he hits you? Well, he's not on the job, so uh, he's open to the same lawsuits that any citizen would be open to. So how does this play out for us? Well, let's say that the... The Federal Tort Claims Act says that you can file a lawsuit for injury, loss of property, or wrongful death caused by a federal employee only if it was caused by negligence and if you could have filed a similar lawsuit against a private person and win. Okay, so let's say that Agent Jones is in charge of reviewing all domestic threats that come through the FBI that they pick up on servers with all of their fancy equipment. And there are two hits on a kid in Florida. And he says, well, we've got hits on teenagers all the time. What does this mean? So the computer goes through the algorithms and it spits out its data. And it says assault rifle is mentioned, guns are mentioned, bullets, death, blood, carnage, whatever it is that this kid put on his website that is threatening, that is uh, egregious, that infers bodily harm, that has to be looked at. That has to be looked at. He can't just say, ah, it's lunchtime. You know, it's just another kid threatening. He's not going to do anything. I see dozens of these every week. That's a no-no. That is a no-no. We're not paying you Agent Jones, to sit there and make a value judgment as to what is relevant and what is not relevant. That's why you have the computer. The computer says it's relevant. It's picked up all these keywords more than once on this kid. And you can very easily tell somebody at a lower level to initiate software program X to pick up anything and everything that's coming out of this kid's computer. Cause you know, his computer address, you know, his Facebook account, you know, his social media accounts. And it, it's going to take a computer a couple of minutes, print it out, go eat lunch. When you come back, take a look at it. That's your responsibility. So now we have a guy who is negligent or a gal who is negligent in their duties is a federal agent of the FBI. And you can say, well, you know, they're human, they're fallible. Yes, they are, just like you and me. But if I make a mistake in medicine and somebody's injured or they die from it, then I'm liable. I can be sued. Why should it be any different? Well, it's not. And you say, well, you're not going to collect much from an FBI agent. They're not making millions of dollars a year. No, they're not. But it'll sure send a chill down the spine of other agents when they think, Am, I'm I'm going to lunch. I'll do this later. They might just sit there another five or ten minutes and say, I better check this out. This could be credible. And after lunch, they come back, and guess what? It, It looks pretty serious. And so you call the Broward Sheriff's Department. And you say, this is Agent Jones. Looks like you got a kid that's going to go ballistic down there. You better go pick him up. And so then Sheriff Israel, the big pompous SOB, who's on TV saying that he didn't do anything wrong and he's a good leader and he's got this and that and he's made his bones. And that's why he's head of one of the largest departments, because he knows what he's doing. He says, whoa, (laughs) wait a minute this isn't the city council or the county commissioner's calling me this is somebody in the fbi so he calls his watch captain and says let's get this kid in here and see what's going on it's not that difficult the algorithms are there the software is there the social media social media accounts are available the Texting is available. Phone calls are all available. All this can be picked up, as we talked about in the past. And it should be. It absolutely, positively should have been picked up. This isn't about the Second Amendment. It's not going away. No matter what pro and con say, the Second Amendment is not going away. So the debate over guns and gun control is just, it's just an exercise to allow people to emote. But listen, the courts are getting more and more liberal on who can own a gun. Not more conservative. And some of the jurisdictions are saying, well, we're not going to issue permits to anybody to carry a gun in the city or the state. New York's trying to do that. That's not going to fly. That will not pass the Supreme Court test. So what do we do? <laughs> are, are we blind? Are we deaf? Are we dumb? Are we mute? Do we not see this? We have statutes. We have laws. We have criminal lawyers. We have civil lawyers. We have lawsuits. We have damages. I mean, we have all these things that are at our command that we can tap into And we can do this a priori, it exists whether we know it exists or not. These resources are there, these protective mechanisms are there, these abilities to right a wrong are there, and ultimately, the best way to right any wrong is through money. If you want to make somebody really pay for their bad deeds, you take their money away, (laughs) you take it away then guess what? They can't do any more bad deeds, because they're broke, and they can't function appropriately. Say, well, Briard County needs a sheriff's department. The sheriff's department's not going away, but Sheriff Israel will, and the mayor of Hollywood and Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton may well go away, and the county commissioners may well go away. And then it comes back to the people, it devolves back down to the people, and then they have to sit down and they have to take a serious look at how they're being governed and how they want to be governed. And they have to make the appropriate decisions to put in place those actions and those people who are going to carry out the laws that the state and local jurisdictions have passed to protect you and me and our kids in our families. That's the whole purpose of this. That's the whole purpose of it. The law is there to make sure that we're playing fairly, that we're not hurting each other, that we have some common goals that we can agree upon, like building roads and putting in police departments and, uh, having Social Security and Medicare and different things. These are all part of why we have a society, an organized society, a socioeconomic political organism that can effect the necessary actions that keep us up and running and healthy and safe. So the first thing we need to do is to get this guy Israel out and anybody that's with him. And if this watch commander, captain, if she gave an order that was out of line, then she's got to go, too. Secondly, and I say this to my legal colleagues, by the way, I do have respect for lawyers. Some of the best advice in life I have been given has been given to me by lawyers. It doesn't mean that I respect trial lawyers who go after doctors and corporations just to make their pockets full of money. But I think that there is a place for trial lawyers, and this is one of the best and most specific places I have seen in decades. Now, we went after the Archdiocese of Louisville for the priest, Father Miller, who molested 250 of us, and we won. And it wasn't a big, big amount of money. You know, it was $50,000 a person. You say, well, what about the people who were more seriously injured? Well, you can always opt out of a class action suit. And that's probably what the lawyers will tell the families of these 17 kids who were killed and the 15 others or so that were injured, that you'll have to opt out because your damages are much greater than the emotional uh, damages caused by the shooter to the kids and the families of Broward County. So that can be taken care of. That's not a big deal. But we went after the archdiocese and we won. We each got about $50,000 and the lawyers got their 30% or 40% or whatever it was. And it's all past history. I'm not going to dredge up the... Sentiment about the lawyers getting so much money, and as one of my buddies pointed out, who's uh, a who was a classmate and a contemporary when we were kids, and was in on the suit, and he's very successful, he said, "You know, Billy," he calls me Billy because that's what I was called when I was a kid. He says, "Billy, the lawyers at most are going to make one or two million dollars off of this, and that was a few years of work for them, so it's not that big of a deal." because it's spread out over a number of lawyers. And that's the same way with a class action lawsuit like the one that'll hopefully occur and quickly in Broward County over these shootings that there'll be dozens of lawyers working on it and hundreds of legal assistants. And so the money gets spread around and yeah, some of these guys become multimillionaires and hundred millionaires, but that's our system. That's the way it goes. So we don't care about that. And again, I say this, that some of the best advice and best help I've ever had have come from lawyers who have taught me how to behave and grow up and be a citizen and protect me and tell me when I'm making a legal mistake and how to write that. That, That's good. That's okay. We need lawyers. Maybe not as many, maybe not as many greedy lawyers, but we need lawyers and Here's a good place to start, folks. Well, I'm going to grab a a cup of Joe, hit the head. I'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill. When I come back, I'll take calls, and we can talk about this. I'm at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600.
2: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. South Korea's presidential office says it's sending a 10-member government delegation to North Korea this week for talks on how to promote peace on the Korean Peninsula. The Blue House says the delegation will be led by the national security director and will fly to Pyongyang tomorrow for a two-day visit that includes talks with unidentified senior North Korean officials. It says the talks will also deal with a restart negotiations between Pyongyang and Washington. Chinese President Xi Jinping poised to make historic power grab tomorrow as legislators gather and prepare to approve changes that will let him rule indefinitely and undo decades of efforts to prevent a return to crushing dictatorship. And President Trump faced down his nemesis in person as he attended the annual gridiron dinner last night with the Washington Press Corps making gentle jokes. This is SRN
1: News. When I need x-rays, I choose Tampa Bay Imaging. Two convenient locations, Pinellas Park in Tampa, 727-545-9674 and 813-386-3674. State-of-the-art equipment, I know these guys personally. Complimentary transportation. Insist on TBI Pinellas, 727-545-9674, 727-545-9674. Hillsboro, 813-386-3674, 813-386-3674. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and... Competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795.
3: taxes it's not too late your circumstances may qualify you for this special program protecting your savings and your assets if you owe the irs or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back there's no need to worry anymore call the hotline at victory tax solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands for this free information call 800-420-2121 800-420-2121 that's 800-420-2121 and
0: Get your fix of politics in paradise. Join Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, and Mike Gallagher on the 2018 Aloha Talkers Hawaii Cruise. Explore some of the world's most beautiful islands on a luxury cruise. At night, we'll all gather together with Hugh, Larry, and Mike plotting a fresh course for America. The 2018 Aloha Talkers 7-Day Hawaii Cruise sets sail August 11th through 18th. For all the details, visit AM860TheAnswer.com or call 855-655-1335 and book your cabin today. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast.
2: We'll have a pleasant day today with plenty of sunshine and a high of 76. Clear skies this evening, low 52. Then tomorrow we'll be partly sunny with a high of 76. Clear skies again tomorrow night, low 58. Then partly sunny skies Tuesday, high 79. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Holly Holdren for AM860, oh, The Answer. Oh, this is end. End
1: talking about the end of innocence there, Bruce Hornsby, and I think his band was called The Range, but I can't remember. So I'm talking about the shooting over, the mass shooting over in Broward County that killed 17 High school students injured another 15 and emotionally I'm sure traumatized thousands uh, talking about the remedies and, and trying to avoid the debate over the second amendment since nothing's going to change that and you can tweak it a little bit and get rid of bump stocks but that's not going to make any difference as I've talked about before you can do a lot more with a semi-automatic and a good scope than you can with a bump stock unless you're in the trenches. We've got Mike from Wesley Chapel on the line. Mike, what's up this morning?
4: Hey, Bill, I love your show. Um, I want to talk about a commonality between all these shooting uh, suspects. That's, uh, I mean, you have Dylan Roof, you have the Aurora shooter, you have the guy that shot up the church. Um, this guy here in Florida. The commonality between all these all these shooters is. Ninety percent of them were on on antipsychotic drugs, and I'd just like to have your opinion on. Nobody's talking about this. Ninety percent, and I would imagine the guy who shot up Vegas probably had a dose or two too. And nobody is saying anything about this. Um, it messes your mind up. Being on antipsychotics, especially when you go off of them, like the Aurora shooter did in Colorado. The uh, talking,
1: well, the, the 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 antipsychotics are a little different than the antidepressants. Now, the antidepressants are things like uh, Paxil and Zoloft, and right, uh, and uh, these are the ones that if you are on them and you stop them abruptly, you will. You will become depressed. You'll become impulsive and suicidal, suicidal. and homicidal. So that right. that is a real problem, and that's one of the reasons why we're very reluctant to start teenagers on uh, antidepressants uh, in this class because they're 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 so labile when they're coming off of it. Now, with an adult right. a male over twenty five or thirty, it's a different story. But uh, and and I've had a very personal and, and sad and, uh, just, a, uh, really tore my heart out. A kid that I was close to had been on antidepressants and, uh, he, he stopped them abruptly and he was 24, 25 and he, he shot himself. And, uh, right. uh it, it just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just terrible, but I think that part of the legislature, which is already there that needs to be enforced is that if you are somebody who is at high risk, and if we don't have that in our state, we certainly need to implement it. Uh, if you're at high risk for psychiatric problems, if you're on any psychiatric medications uh, uh, and you're under a certain age, then you know what? You shouldn't be able to have a license to get a gun and the gun dealer exactly. should not sell it to you. So that, that's I a, like,
4: go I ahead. feel like, uh, you know, um, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, I don't know, you're a doctor. I just believe that the pharmaceutical industry, you know, follows the money. Um, and these vets that come back from from war, the first thing the VA does, we had a guy working with with me, and he was on, I don't know, something that the VA gave him. And he came into work one day, and he said, oh, oh my God, I, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, where am I at? Where? And, the, and I'm saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him Joe. I'm gonna say, Joe, man. Uh, you know, you need to kind of wing yourself off of what the VA's. It's just they're they're wanting to prescribe antipsychotics, antidepressants. You know, you got ADHD. Don't don't put your foot in a kid's ass and have them settle down. Just give them an uh, anti-whatever, you know, ADHD drug. And the pharmaceutical industry, you can see it on TV. Every other commercial is... This will, you know, Relentex, uh, you know, Avantex, whatever,
1: you know, it's just support. There, of- there, <laughs> uh, there are certainly uh, side effects to most medications. Even aspirin, you can get a a stomach oh, yeah. bleed from an aspirin. So we're, we're not going to completely eliminate that, and we have to put it on balance. And it's the same way with the Second Amendment, you know, and this is what I tell the guys in the lunchroom. I say, look, if you have millions and millions of people who are being helped by. A medication, and you have one or two that have deleterious effects from it. Then, do we get rid of the the medication? Because I mean, no. do you do you, do you throw but, the do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? No, you you fix it.
4: I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's my opinion that that um, you know, it just drugs, and especially antipsychotics and antidepressants. Do we really know? I mean, do we really know what kind of chemical imbalance it does to the brain, and do we really understand fully what the full side effects are? I mean, we, we know some of the advantages and some of the disadvantages, but do we really know on a personal, specific case-by-case basis what an antipsychotic and what dosage or what it actually does to the brain chemically? We, I mean, we, we nobody's, have, nobody's talking. We,
1: we have a lot of data, especially on the antidepressants, to show specifically where they work in the brain and what chemicals they act on in the brain. We we have a lot of data about this, uh, and these are uh, these are wonderful drugs. But of course, there's always that one or two that are going to have a deleterious reaction, either because of the medication or because of stopping it. And so we, we we have to be careful not to blame the medication. Again, I go back to, and I think you're you're right on about this, to the manufacturer, to the prescriber, and say to them, what can you do better now? You're making money right. off of this. You're making a living. So let's put a little bit of cash into figuring out a way that we will not have these people go into a deep, deep depression if they stop these uh, medications abruptly. And to the uh, prescribers are saying, you need to have a certain uh, uh, inventory that you take of the patient each time they come in. And, you know, we do that, some of us. I'm sure there are a few who don't. And, of course, there's always people who are very good at lying and saying, oh, yeah, I'm taking my medicine, I'm really happy, and I feel really great. And then they go out and kill everybody in the neighborhood and kill themselves. And uh, we're, we're, we're only human. But remember, we're living longer, healthier, happier lives. The violent crime has been going down precipitously for the past 40 or 50 years as as the baby boomers age, and we become a little more civilized. All deaths from warfare have gone down since World War II. Uh, There have been really no major conflicts since Vietnam. Uh, I mean, you can call Iraq a major conflict, but the number of casualties was minimal. So I I think things are getting better. I do believe that you're right that we need to be more diligent and vigilant about what we prescribe and how we prescribe it. Exactly. We need to have some way that we can take an inventory, and we can do this. And by the way, the federal government, much to their credit, is forcing doctors now as part of their annual Medicare wellness exam to make the patients take a little a little mini exam to see if they're depressed. And, and if they right. are, to offer antidepressants or counseling or uh, change in venue or look at their medications and see if there's something the medications are, are causing. Are doing. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I think we are getting better at this and, and I could not agree more that we need to have this filtered down to the psychiatrists and the psychologists and the social workers that each time exactly. a kid comes in on a medication that they have a little inventory they give the kid and there are tests that can be made up that are hard to fool and we can see if they're taking their medicine, and if they're not, then they can be put on a higher alert. We can also check and see if these kids have permits or if they have access to guns. Uh, there's a right. lot of things I, I that we can do. I agree, I but don't, I, I don't, it takes time I, I and effort. Don't
4: believe, yeah, I don't believe that the guns are the issue. I believe that the um, if they have mental issues, maybe tutoring, maybe you know having some you know foster person you know, mentoring
1: them or, you know. Well, goes of, back to, this goes back to what I had been saying for years, which is we need, uh, and I know this is not going to sit well with the conservatives, but it'll save money in the long run, and that's the bottom line here is that if we had a slew more of social workers who uh, evaluated these kids when they first come into pre-K or K, because you, you can profile them easily, even right. at four or five, you know, fire setting, bedwetting, cruelty to animals, uh, impulsive, explosive behavior, picking fights right. with your classmates. All these things can be can be uh, easily picked up. And then the social workers can go into the homes and see if there is abuse or neglect or if this is truly a kid with with an inherited disorder. And I look at this kid, uh, Cruz, who did this. And I looked at him last night for the first time and I turned oh. to my wife and I said, he's a fetal alcohol syndrome, baby. And he's got a lot of testosterone. I can tell by the distance between his pupils and I can tell by his long jaw that this is a kid who is uh, biochemically set up to explode. And I see that because he's got some mild brain damage from what I think is fetal alcohol. I may be wrong, but it looks like it to me. And he's also got a lot of testosterone on board. He's got that long jaw and he's, he's... I mean, he to me, he is somebody who is capable of doing something, and we could have picked this up when he was a kid, when he was a baby, and
4: and plus the fact that he was adopted. But but the ninety percent of the commonality between these people are their emotional well-being prior to them becoming adolescents. You know, their and their, I don't know, the willingness of the medical community to prescribe them antipsychotics antidepressants anti you know who knows what what the you know a doctor comes in on my my kids acting out oh well here yeah give them this you know it'll calm them down i, I, I don't think
1: that it. that's just i don't think that's as prevalent as you would think now maybe 30 or 40 years ago when we were still figuring all this out but that that's that's not as prevalent as it as it was, and there's certainly a lot more oversight now. And I know the American Psychiatric and American Psychological Associations are trying hard to figure this out. And we have to remember yeah. that for each one of these kids that slips through the cracks, you know, there's hundreds, maybe thousands more that have been picked up and have benefited. And it's not going to be a perfect uh, a perfect situation under any circumstances. It's, I mean, there's no way we're going to get a hundred percent of them. But I think the earlier Sorry. act. The earlier we identify them, the earlier we start following them and helping them out and tutoring them, as you say. Now the, the schools don't have that ability, and the, I, I know a lot of teachers who have worked with the special ed kids and the the emotionally handicapped kids, and you know most of them get burned out and they say, "I'm not doing this for you know another twenty years and and not even have a raise in the in the in the picture," and they move on. But uh, there there are a lot of opportunities. But it's going to cost money. It's going to cost well, society churches, money.
4: Maybe churches can get involved. You know, if there's a if there's a kid going sideways, you know, you know, try to set him up, uh, you know, on a better path, you know, or something rather than pumping them full of drugs. You know, I mean. I don't mean. It to might bat- be
1: something between the two as well. There might be a need for medication and a need for ongoing counseling and and guidance. Uh, or there may yeah. be something that can be done without medication. That's true, but I don't think that we should necessarily throw one arm of the treatment regimen at the door because a few people think, are not doing well with it. I
4: think this what- is a this is a bigger problem than the gun issue is i mean everybody wants to blame the guns the guns don't jump off the shelf and start spraying bullets everywhere you know it's uh the mental health of a of a elementary school kid should be taken a little bit more seriously um
1: i agree you know, i couldn't agree more and i think can get we have mentoring the problem with oh. with the church based programs are that they really don't have any teeth, and uh, you know when a kid becomes an adolescent, there's really not much you can do to make them uh, get into the program. Now there are kids who will voluntarily get in the program and they'll bond early with their with their peer group and they'll keep coming yeah, back. Get into a click. Yeah, they get in a click, and the click revolves around church uh, or school uh, or the YMCA or whatever it is, and uh, that that's a great thing, but. Uh, I, I have very vivid memories of being a teenager, and I was in many ways incorrigible. Yeah. And that I, nope. I turned my back on religion, I turned my back on my family. I mean, I basically just said to hell with everybody, and you know, gave everybody huh. the finger, and took off for two years on the road. And there is nothing yeah. anybody could have done to stop me other than lock me up, which probably I should have been. <laughs> but it's, uh, just, it's uh, just, but you know,
4: blaming. Everybody's blaming the guns, 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 guns. And that's all you hear about in Congress and legislation, guns, guns, guns.
1: I think some question. of that is just venting, though. I think some of that is uh, is trying to find some some rationale, and there really isn't any. I mean, if you cannot figure out a situation, uh, my rule of thumb is is because it's not that I'm incapable of figuring it out. It's because the other side of the equation is not figurable. And that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, the speed of light or uh, nuclear physics, I mean, these things are things that can be figured out, but we just don't have all the tools yet. But I'm talking about human interaction and... And, uh, human right. emotions uh, these, these things if they're not figurable by the average guy who has a, an average gal who has an average outlook on life then something's wrong and sure. so we need to identify these people earlier on but I again go back to saying you want to put a stop to this nonsense enforce the laws we have you want to catch these kids yep. early implement Dr. Bill's recommendation, which is let's get these kids identified in pre-K and in K really? and intervene yeah. families and help them out. I mean, this is just craziness. My sister was help a social worker. She said she'd go into these homes and be a foster grandmother and teach the women and the, the parents how to be parents and not beat the kids and how to cook and yeah. clean the house. She'd leave and she'd come back two years later because they called her again. Everything's back to what it was. It has to be constant has to be ongoing, it has to be consistent, and it has to start very early if we're going to stop these kids and not have situations like this arising. Is it going to and, be perfect? Get back. No. No. Get back There's into no, more, no perfect. More,
4: get back into more family moral values where um, kids are being brought into this world wanted and not, you know, a product of, oh, geez, it'll get me more welfare, you know. Bring them well, I think a that that's part
1: of it. I think there's a, there's a good argument to be made for uh, family morals and values in the core family uh, in a society our size, no matter how much we push for it, unless we have a situation like they have in Saudi Arabia where the laws are harsh. And nobody steps out of line because everybody's lockstep with with uh, a, a single creed of Islam and a single way of looking at the law, which is Sharia. That's not going to work here. It will not work no, in a, a big society. Big yeah, it's a big society. It's an open society. And you know, we're going to have to tolerate some of this from time to time. But the, the, the trick here is to get it down to almost zero. And we're not quite yep. there yet. Let's get close to the end of the show. I want to thank everybody today. Mike, thank you for jumping on and helping me out here. And Bill, what do you think? Did we do a good job today? I guess Bill means yes, we did. All right. Okay. And, Sorry about uh, you know, that. I I want to make it perfectly clear that You folks in Broward County, utilize your neighbors who are trial lawyers and get a class action suit started immediately. As soon as you have the facts from the sheriff's department, from the city councils and the county commissioners, once you've got all this investigative work done, file that suit. Let's put an end to this nonsense right now. You can do it. And that'll end Broward County's left-leaning, wonky nonsense. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you next week.